Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. We have green check marks across all platforms. Mile high. Hello, everybody, and welcome in. Uh, my name is Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Level Senior NFL Draft Analyst, one and only Eric Trickle. Now, Eric, obviously, New Year's Eve, so it could be a really interesting show tonight. I'm not sure exactly what the turnout's going to be, but I'm really excited. We do this show every single year, um, the uh, Year in Review podcast. And Man, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Pretty tired. I mean, we get a, you know, Trevor's time here a little bit because there might be some viewers that it's already 2022. So, yeah, yeah. guys got to let us know how next year is Um, because, you know, 2021 had to go out and disappoint me in the finale. Oh, I'm so heartbroken today. Uh, I know, right? Losing Betty White. Like, I mean, I talk about this a lot on Twitter. It's like I grew up watching like the Golden Girls. I grew up watching MASH. So and I was telling my mom earlier is that like Betty White's devastating but the day Alan Alda kicks the bucket like that's gonna just devastate me but I'm excited I mean I hope everybody here in the chat had a great holiday obviously I missed or we didn't weren't here last week actually we decided not to do the show at all so I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday or holidays depending on what you celebrate and everything and uh hope you it's a was a good one and I hope that this next year is even better than the the one you had. Even if it was a good one, I hope it's even better. Yep. But I'm excited. It's always fun to talk about it. And Todd, I'm in. You know what? Two weeks from tomorrow is my birthday. I hit the big three zero. Um, I just grew up watching um, Golden Girls and Ellen Alda, or and Mash and a bunch of other ones. Murder, she wrote. It was one of my favorites of my grandma. So whenever I stay down there with the summers, and then my parents also. I watched a lot of it. So I just watched a lot of older shows when I was younger. Yeah, we watched a lot of Happy Days. Um, Golden Girls was on the on the list as well. Little House on the Prairie. Um, I'm 31, by the way. Um, I just turned 31 a couple of weeks ago. But uh, yeah, uh, Betty White, man, ripped to a legend. I tell you what, the, she was always great. I swear, uh, there was a lot of people that called her a vampire because it just looked like she hit 65 years old and never aged another day. Like it was just so glorious, and she was such a sweetheart, a great woman. Everybody loved her. Um, I just saw some some people talking about Ryan Reynolds. They just did a, a late night show together with with Betty White and Betty White and Ryan Reynolds, and he has this thing for Betty White, and she kept kept egging him on about it and everything and now this morning or i guess early this afternoon for in in my case about one o'clock this afternoon is when i found out the news that she had passed um rough week this week honestly because uh, you got the legend of betty white but also on tuesday right before i went live with carl uh, we found out that john madden passed away as well so it's been a it's been a pretty rough um pretty rough go of it for people that are uh, as far as the uh, the pop culture is is concerned but eric just quickly before we get into this guys um I want your thoughts on on John Madden and what he, what he meant to you as a as a football fan because man he's that's one of the greatest of all time right there, if not the greatest of all time. 
Listen up, Broncos country. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. I mean, he by the time I got around to really being into football, he, he was already in the booth and he had so many iconic moments in the booth. He helped raise a generation of football fans with his video game with Madden football. And I mean, I, we were playing, my family and I we were playing the game and I saw that John Madden passed away and that was hard, to, hard to hear. Um, because yeah, I mean, he helped fill that, that love I had of it because I was able to sit there and um, play his video games and, uh, go from there with growing my football knowledge and everything like that and diving into it. But I mean, he a lot of, meant a lot to the sport. He meant a lot to a lot of people. And it's one of those things that it's just, it was hard to hear. Like just, it's just rough. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, if not for John Madden, I mean, seriously, like he literally made it so that 12 and 13 year old kids are better at time management than Vic Fangio is. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. All right, let's let's get, let's jump right into this, guys. I'm going to get some matters of business out of the way really fast. And we'll say hello to everybody in the chat again, guys. You are watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can find us on Twitter by find uh, by following me at Sanderson MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. And also, guys, make sure you, while you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account where you guys are going to find find instant news and analysis, uh, breaking news, fil uh, film breakdowns, opinion articles, anything regarding your Denver Broncos. That's where you guys are going to get it. Uh, Facebook supporters, make sure you guys go to uh, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Click that blue become a supporter button where you guys can get some premium content like the Trickle Zone, which will be returning after the new year is over. Um, you'll get Kellerman's Corner and Broncos Book Club with Chad Jensen. We'll give you some more updates on all that stuff at the end of the show as well. Now, let's say hello to the chat really fast as well. We have obviously Todd jumping in here, who was uh, understandably upset that we lost Betty White and uh, and John Madden in the same week. Sad times, obviously. Uh, U.S. Dave, what's going on? EJ, uh, we got a quick question here jumping in. Uh, he says, Eric and Lance, do you guys think Desmond Ritter's stock dropped after the loss to Alabama? Now, guys, uh, full clarity, I didn't watch the game today. I was driving back from my parents' house. We went to see them for Christmas. So I did not get to see what Desmond Ritter looked like. However... I'm, I'm fairly certain Eric did get a chance to watch that game. And if not, what do you think? You know, I don't watch college football a <laughs> lot. Um, I, I didn't watch the game. I, I caught some clips and everything. I was following it on there. I don't want to speak in certainty until I actually get to sit down and watch it. But it sounds like that Desmond Ritter stock did take a hit. He had multiple batted passes. There were very few really good throws from him. One of them, I guess, ended up being dropped or broken up. Um, 
but again, it sounds like it will, but until I actually watch the game, I can't say for sure if it has or not, which is kind of a shame because over the last few weeks of the season, he was actually starting to do a little bit better and help raise himself. So I still think he'll get taken in the second round. I wouldn't be surprised if a team reaches for him in the first. Um, with the way it's looking, depending on how this game goes, he's probably sitting right there, like late second, early third round pick at highest for me, but uh, still a lot left to do when, uh, you know, get, handing out my final grade for him. Yeah, still a long way to go in the process. We haven't even hit the combine, obviously. I think he's going to the senior bowl as well. Yeah. So that's going to be a very interesting week of practice for him, seeing some measurements, some official stuff like that. Uh, so he's got a long ways to go, obviously, in the process. It's still not even January, technically. I mean, other than for uh, Peter Middleton over there in, in Cambodia, who is at 8 o'clock in the morning. So good morning, Peter, and thank you for joining us as well. Uh, Mark Lindemood in the house, uh, Victor T as well. Uh, let's see here. Venom Seeker jumping in. Andrew Baker dropping some stars. I think is what, is what we've got going on there. Happy New Year. Uh, Dove Valley Deep Divers and the Broncos country. Thanks, Andrew. We appreciate you, buddy. Uh, Juan Espinoza with all these players possibly out. Do you think it's going to be a hit on Coach Vic if they lose? Do you guys think Peyton has made his decision on Vic Fangio? Eric, what do you think? I mean, losing players to, to what's going around and everything multiple coaches have had to deal with that some coaches have been able to overcome it other coaches haven't i don't think that's going to help save or lose his job i think that i don't think that george payton has come to his conclusion exact fully yet but i think that it's a matter of make the playoffs you might have a chance to save it and there's a slim chance the Broncos can make the playoffs but i mean it, they very easily can get booted this week they need so many teams to lose and they have to lose that if they win, they're just out. Um, yeah. Even one of those teams, just one has to win. That's it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I just think that it's looking for that uh, he's on his way out. And it's been all season long. It's been playoffs or bust. That was the man. That was what was mandated not long after George Payton was hired. That was why that he got to keep his coaching staff. No changes were made. It was you either make the playoffs or you're gone. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, they've got to have five or six teams, different uh, different teams they have to lose. Uh, I know the Browns are part of that. Uh, the Colts are part of that. Pittsburgh's a part of that. The Bills uh, are a part of that. I think I actually have it. Uh, regardless, still, the Broncos, they have to take care of their own business first and beat the Chargers, which is going to be a tough go without – I mean, we'll get into that here in just a, a few minutes, but with everybody on COVID right now, it's going to be ridiculous. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for the Broncos to even manage their business, let alone have everybody else lose. So, Eric, what do you got? So for the Broncos to make the playoffs, this all has to happen. Broncos have to win their last two games. This week, they need the Rams to beat the Ravens, the Titans to beat the Dolphins, and the Browns to beat the Steelers. Then they need the Steelers to beat the Ravens, the Bengals to beat the Browns, the Patriots to beat the Dolphins, and the Chargers to beat the Raiders. Just to get into the playoffs. Any one of those things doesn't happen, they're out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think. I think it was a couple of weeks ago when we did the show. We talked about how if the Broncos lose even one game, then they were. Um, they were their chances <laughs> dropped down two. to like. Yeah, and they lost two. They needed to win at least three of the of the last four games, including the game against the Bengals for sure, and including the, the game against the Chargers for sure. They lost to the Bengals, obviously, and then the Raiders the following week in embarrassing fashion, quite honestly. But uh, yeah, it's been kind of an interesting. Um, so far this season, we're going to do a year in review as well. I got Danny Trujillo uh, with nothing to say, just showing some love, dropping some stars on Facebook. We appreciate you, Danny, for joining us. Uh, Peter Millicent, what's up, man? Todd, we already said hello. Uh, Paul, man, Paul, it's been a, a minute since we've seen you in the chat. It's good to see you, dude. Thanks for joining us, dude. We appreciate that. 
um, Jake Kozad. But anyways, guys, that's going to do it for the hellos and everything. Let's see if I can find some questions here in just a couple of minutes. Um, however, again, this this week on the Dove Valley Deep Divers is always fun because, you know, every single year we do the year in review podcast. And obviously we're going to start off at the very beginning of the year where the Broncos country got hit with some kind of surprising news, quite honestly, with the news that John Elway was going to be stepping down as the general manager and executive vice football, uh, football operations. Um, and it, going into a new uh, general manager search and where we ended up uh, picking up George Payton to be the, the Broncos new general manager. Now, Eric, what was your initial reaction? I mean, it's been a long time ago, obviously we're li- right out almost a year ago, exactly of George Payton getting hired. What was your thoughts on the move? And as you look back on it in a little bit of hindsight, how do you think he's done this first, this first year as the Broncos general manager? I mean, I was excited. I was excited, not just for his hiring. I was excited that John Nelly was taking a step down I mean, for the last few years, the whole thing of let's just throw a veteran in there and try to recreate the magic that we got with Manning just got old quickly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, none of these quarterbacks they brought in were Manning. So why did he keep doing that? It was very frustrating to see. And I was glad that he finally stepped down, get some new eyes in there, get some new blood, somebody who can try and correct the ship. And he's done a really good job. I mean, there's been some things that some things he said, some things that he's done that have been yeah like okay but every general manager is going to have those moments it's always it's always going to happen i've been for the most part pleased with what he's done and it's still going to have to be let's see what's going to continue to go forward and what happens yeah, it's been really a breath of fresh air. And everybody's been getting back on John Elway for a long time. And there's still people out that are saying that John Elway needs to step down. He needs to resign. Guys, that's already happened. We're, we're well past that. He'll but, be completely I mean, out after this year. Yep. And, 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 and he's retiring after this season. Joe Ellis's contract runs out as well. And it doesn't sound like he's going to re-up. The team is likely so the thing with Jordan, The thing with Ellis uh-huh. is it all depends on the ownership situation. He may okay. do a temporary thing to like just a one-year contract to stick around to help kind of pass the torch right it just depends on the ownership and the timing of that because of when his contract is up as well right isn't it in, it's like after march or something like that it's, it's, got like, a, it's, it's like late march or mid-april or something like yeah that. It's, it's some it's a weird timing it, it i don't understand it because it goes into the new league year which i mean i i guess it works if that's the the situation where they haven't got everything litigated with edgar kaiser and the um the right of first refusal trial and his the kaiser family and everybody um so that it'll be kind of interesting to see how that all works out but anyways back to what i was trying to say there um there's been people that are still blaming the last five years and it, i mean it, it's, it's warranted it's absolutely warranted i mean you bring in joe flacco you've got the case keenum situation um brock osweiler paxton lynch the whole revolving door at the quarterback position um losing a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football including like a key to leave um you've got uh uh tj ward uh, darian stewart the, the whole 2015 broncos defense essentially from the from the super bowl season was has been turned over um losing out on wesley woodyard or, uh, yeah wesley woodyard um danny trevathan brandon marshall as well that whole situation i mean there's it's just been kind of a, a mixed bag and a, a bag of bad reviews for John Elway and George Payton came in and immediately started doing something that John Elway never actually did. Well, rarely actually did in terms of taking care of his own players. Uh, obviously he, they put the franchise tag on Justin Simmons, but then he quickly turned around and turned that into a four year, $61 million deal right after the onset of the, uh, um, the, uh, 
opening of league year in free agency. And then right after that, he had Shelby Harris. Now, this is a breath of fresh air again because, like I said, you know, John Elway, when it came your time to, to be up and go pay, uh, get, get another contract, he typically would let you go test the market and see what you would be able to get and then not come back with a competitive offer or not even offer at all. So to see a guy like Justin Simmons, who's turned into a leader, in not only in the locker room, but out, off the field, out in the community, he's uh, like three years in a row now named the Walter Payton Man, uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, finalist for the Denver Broncos so I mean to see a guy like that and then Shelby Harris a guy who's worked really hard has been kind of bounced around the league for a little bit uh, turned into a high quality interior defensive lineman I mean the last time that we saw John Elway really pay a guy that was one of his homegrown players was after they put the franchise tag on Brandon McManus it's been a long time so uh, Eric as far as that is concerned Justin Simmons Shelby Harris what do you think about George and the, the work that those guys have done and how do you think that Justin Simmons has rewarded this franchise after getting that mega deal I mean, it, one of the things that George Payton came in and said right away is that I want to keep our own. And he's shown that. I mean, it wasn't just those two. I mean, going and getting those contracts done with Corlin Sutton and Tim Patrick also. It's we're keeping our own. And I mean, you can't you can't hate that. You don't want to constantly see talent grow and grow with your team and then boom, they're gone. It's it always uh it's always a bit um, of a gut punch, I guess would be the best way to put it when that happens. And so seeing them go in and extend these guys, it's always good to see. Do I, do I think that there was a little bit more money there than for some of these guys than there should have been? Yeah, but it's not my money, so I can't complain too much. Um, but Justin Simmons, he's had his ups and, downs, ups and downs this year, which he has every year, which every safety does. He's still a top five safety at worst in the NFL. And he shows why. I mean, teams have to game plan for him. And he does get caught sometimes deep in coverage or just in the wrong place. But, again, that's just stuff that happens. His play's not going to be perfect. There's no safety in the NFL whose play was perfect. Ed Reed even made mistakes. Steve Atwater made mistakes. All of the greats at safety always made mistakes at some point. Mm -hmm. It's just how you come back and uh, recover from that. And Justin Simmons has always done a great job with that. Yeah, there's some times where he's a little late on the rotation, miscommunication stuff, and he's always been very quick to uh, to not only call that out and hold people accountable, but to hold himself accountable as well, saying, I have to do a better job. We all have to do a better job of communicating this and sticking to our assignments and stuff like that. So that's that's a kind of leader that, you know, you you maybe send a message a little bit through the media, but also at the same time, pull the thumb and take some, uh, take some of the blame, some of the credit for what this defense has done as well. I mean, he's what five interceptions this season. So um, one of the Broncos leaders in tackles, he's been just phenomenal, quite honestly, as like Eric said, a, a top five safety. Now Shelby Harris, um, one, it's kind of a mixed bag with him. And honestly, the reason why I say that is because, yes, he knocks down a lot of passes. He blocks all the field goals and everything like that. But typically what, what that means is you're not getting home as a pass rusher. So you've got to create some uh, some disruption in those throwing windows. I think Shelby has like three and a half sacks or something like that this season. So numbers are a little bit down for him. Um Draymond Jones has been phenomenal right next to him. And that might be a little bit of something with Shelby Harris as well. But at the same time, Shelby has pretty pretty – underperformed the contract that he signed. It was what uh, three years, $27 million just right at $9 million on an average per year basis. Um, what about Shelby Harris? What rings about his game? Do you, that you think that he could potentially improve on or has he been playing pretty well? I mean, he's kind of come on the last couple of weeks a little bit. Um, he's sitting at five sacks on the season. He's got, I mean, there's, he's got two and a half in the last two games, which, Hey, that's great. But, He's there's been a lot of game games where it's like, 
all right, where are you? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then one big issue with him is that last year he showed a lot of progress as a run defender, and this year it's what are you doing? Um, there's some issues there. It's not just all on him. There's some issues with Mike Purcell that are giving issues onto Shelby Harris and just creating more problems that way with the their run defense. I mean, Mike Purcell, uh, man, he's uh, yeah. Teams are taking advantage of him and uh, really hurting this run defense. But he he's been all right. I mean, he was one of those guys that he got a little bit more than I was okay with, or than I would than I would have liked to have seen. But I mean. With how he played last year, I mean, it wasn't exactly undeserved, but he's just been so inconsistent as a player throughout his whole career yeah. that it's just kind of hard to see that. But, I mean, they needed a veteran on there, and it would have been nice to see him be a little bit more consistent this season, but it is what it is. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, as far as getting a veteran back, you know, that's that's one of those things, you know, this guy has played very well for you for the last couple of seasons. Um, he's one of your own. It's George Payton's M.O., draft and develop, pay your own guys, take care of your own guys. Uh, this was a guy that definitely deserved at least to have an extension. It, like Eric said, it might be a little bit much on the pocketbook for a guy that doesn't have the quite the impact that you would want for that kind of money. But at the same time, that's that's you got to show your your guys. You got to show your team that you are willing to be able to do that. If you put in the work and you start playing well and you improve and you continue to improve and you continue to be a, a force and a, a great player in the locker room, a good teammate, um, that you deserve to have that reward. And Shelby Harris is probably one of the the top guys, especially uh, other than Justin Simmons, that definitely was deserving of something like that. We're gonna jump back into the chat here really fast. Um, Let's see here. We have Jake Coz, uh, Jake jumping in right here. I hope that uh, I hope that is what Peyton has decided his playoffs are out for Vic because they missed the boat for the playoffs. And yes, they did. And I I, I firmly do believe that Vic Fangio is if they lose against the Chargers, Vic Fangio will be almost officially done in Denver. Um, Venom Seekers jumping in here. Any prospects you like for Kathy Lund? Hi, Kathy. How are you doing today? Um, let's see here. Uh, Biggie Broncos Kathy. jumping in here. Say what? Yeah, Kathy was watching. She made a comment about how she was watching college football and scouting off some prospects. And let me tell you what. That Georgia defense, all 11 of their starters and like four or five of their backups have draft grades, draftable yep. grades on them. That defense is freaking ridiculous. So does that. Nicole second- Dean, Quay Walker, Trevon, Trevon Walker, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, the, all the guys in the secondary, I mean – what Darion Kendrick, uh, um, Eric something is one of their safeties. I can't think of his last name. Like that defense is so stinking stacked, and this is are going to be a couple really good games to scout them out. I mean, all season long they've just been play, playing lights out, and from the looks of it, I mean they seem to be those linebackers especially seem to be dominating Michigan at the moment. Yeah, I wish I could watch the game. Unfortunately, we're doing this. Uh, Biggie Bronco jumping in here, and he says, "Let's say the Broncos do draft Desmond Ritter." What coach would you like to see get brought in to help him? I believe in Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator from Baltimore, who has done really good work in his past with mobile quarterbacks, guys that aren't necessarily the the most uh, talented throwers. Guys, obviously, you've got uh, what he's doing in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson right now, but he was also the offensive coordinator for Tyrod Taylor, I believe, in um, in Buffalo at, for, there for a minute. And then he was also the uh, – offensive coordinator for the Colin Kaepernick-led 49ers back in the early 2010s. Um, so that would be kind of an interesting. Eric, what do you think about Greg Roman? I like him. I think that 
he's shown that there's a certain type of quarterback he can work with. And Desmond Ritter isn't, I mean, it's not that Desmond Ritter is not that guy. It's just that I just, if you want him to develop, you just don't want to limit him to that because then you're not going to get the best out of him. Um, so, I mean, it'd be all right. I think I like him more for like Malik Willis, Malik Cunningham, um, maybe even Matt Corral. Um, but Desmond Ritter, I mean, it's not a bad option. Like, not a bad option for Desmond Ritter. No, he's got enough mobility. He's not the the best. I, I think Matt Corral would be uh, well. Him and Malik Willis, those two would be the the two kids that if you if you did get Greg Roman, those would be the guys to watch for the for him being the, the for the quarterback for that system. But uh, Matt Corral, honestly, I like the the way that he moves, and he still has a little bit more refinement as a passer than Malik Willis does. So you can kind of get on get on the ground and hit, like hit the ground running, get a, get a kid up on his feet, get him up to speed quickly, um, develop around him let him use his legs a little bit, get him out on the move, throwing on the run. And Matt Corral is a guy that I really like for that. In fact, uh, he's probably going to end up being my quarterback one, quite honestly, because I'm not a Kenny Pickett fan. I just am not. All right. Uh, no, Nick- which my top 10, they dropped on Mile High Huddle on Christmas Day. If you guys haven't checked him out, go check him out, especially quarterbacks. Matt Corral is my quarterback one, but where Kenny Pickett falls might be surprising for you. And there's a couple games that did it for me. And also the fact that my wife has bigger hands than he does. Yeah, yeah. He's, and uh, the issue with that is that in a couple of his games that were bad weather, you could tell that the hand size was an issue, yeah. which is where the hand size is a concern. Yeah, he had uh, 27, 27 fumbles, I think is what it was, total yeah. over the course of his and, career. So that's a, that's a big number, guys. 27 fumbles from a quarterback, that's huge. In over six, over 37 years, over 670 quarterbacks, mm-hmm. only two have had smaller hands than Kenny Pickett entering the NFL. Only neither of them were drafted. Only one has had the same hands, same size hands, and he was an undrafted free agent from last year, Kevin Davidson out of Princeton. Like, there's not many that are under that nine inch tread mark or yeah. mark here. And Kenny Pickett, mm-hmm. we're talking about eight and a quarter. Like, yeah. Ooh. I my hands are eight and three eighths of an inch, guys. I measured mine a while ago just because I was curious to see. But yes, eight and three eighths of an inch. So I even have bigger hands than Kenny Pickett. I'm five foot ten and 155 pounds. I'm definitely not an NFL quarterback. So uh yeah, <laughs> it's uh it's it's interesting. Yes, and I again um, go check that out. I haven't actually got a chance to, to check that out yet. Eric's top tens. Um if there's a way that we can get that link pulled up and maybe drop that into the chat. Eric, can you work on that while I run through another one of these comments really quick? Uh, we'll drop that in the chat, guys. Make sure you go check that out if you get the opportunity, uh, if you haven't yet already. Um, so Victor jumping in here, and he says, the Stars just haven't linked up for the Broncos, but never give up. You don't deserve the Broncos at their best if you left them at their worst. Broncos for life. And I'm not going to try to tell anybody how to how to fan. It's, I'm not a gatekeeper by any stretch of the imagination on that one. However, Victor is kind of right here. You know, you don't if you're going to bag out and and um, be terrible, super hypercritical of the Broncos when they are at their worst. Um, you don't deserve them when they are their best, which could be coming around the corner here directly. So um, kind of keep that in mind. I mean, there's the whole thing for better or worse. I mean, yeah, the, exactly. Exactly. It's not, not, not quite like a marriage where you save with in sickness and health and better for worse. Yada, yada, yada. And it's a vow, but still at the same time, fandom should be considered something like that. <laughs> uh, hey, thank you. Pal, um, our Powell, that's, I'm glad you appreciate it. Um, Todd asked how big are locks hands? They measured in at nine inches flat. And typically you want at least, I think it's like nine and a quarter is the small, mm-hmm. is like the um, threshold for most. Yeah. 
Uh, Miguel Santa Steven jumping in here on Facebook, and I want to answer this question really fast. How do you feel about this year's quarterback class, or are there chances uh, better of trying to get a vet like Rodgers or Wilson? I'm going to start this off by saying that there are about four NFL quarterbacks right now, maybe even five, that I would take over going to the draft this season. That's how I feel about this quarterback. Oh, there's class. like there's- 10. <laughs> well, I, the reason why I say a limited on that one, because it would be Russell Wilson, one, uh, one B would be Rogers. I would probably go if you could get uh, Kirk Cousins, then Derek Carr, Matt Ryan would be the guys that I would go before I would go a rookie. And the only reason why I would go a rookie between them and like a Teddy Bridgewater or another journeyman starter like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or something like that is because at least you have the hope. There's a hope that you can have a quarterback that's going to develop out of this class. It was specifically like a, a Matt Corral, um, Malik Willis would be another one. Ritter maybe as well. Um, the uh, Berkovici or what's the the um, dang it the the Boston College kid and he went back to Phil Jerkovich. The he went back to school this this year. So um, Grayson McCall is another one that went back to school. So I mean, uh, but at least you could still have the hope that you have a franchise quarterback that you take any young kid on you've made a commitment to and go in that direction. But still, I mean, this it's not a very good quarterback class. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I, I I wouldn't touch this quarterback class really, um, and if I do, uh, then you better not hold off on a quarterback next year just because you drafted one this year. Mm-hmm. It's one that you got to be. If you take a quarterback, you got to be one to double dip and go after one next year. Um, Matt Corral is my only one with a first round grade. I only have three more quarterbacks that are graded in the first two in the round two, like. The depth of it's been decimated by players returning and players transferring and players not developing. Uh, I mean, the big hope was that Spencer Rattler would come in and cement himself as the number one quarterback, and look what he did. Um, a lot of hope that Malik Willis would come in and rise up, and for me, he's a third-round player for me. Um, so it's just been a uh, little rough. A um, couple comments here I wanted to grab real quick. Um, Kathy, I, I, everybody's allowed to be t- ticked off. And we were just saying is that, yeah, like, I see on Twitter, especially a lot of this, like, oh, I'm done watching the Broncos. They're so they're so bad. I'm going to go pick another team. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Or that, I think that's what he was getting at. Is, yeah, Broncos are bad. Be ticked off. Be mad. Trust me, we are. Like, oh yeah, man. I I want to do a uncensored show so bad because we have to watch what we say here. And trust me, like, I would love to just go and rip so many people to shreds on the Broncos because they all deserve it. Um. Money more says if we lose out, we might get a top twelve draft pick. It'll be, it'll also be another four game losing streak. I know that's kind of the double edged sword here. I don't want to go out losing four games to end the season, but Denver actually still has a chance to get sixth overall in the draft. I doubt they have. Doubt it happens because they need so many teams to win out, and it just seems unlikely with who they're playing. So I think that they, if they lose out, I think they'll probably end up like eight or nine. Which hey, I'll still take that, but it's that four game losing streak kind of makes it a little hard to. Uh, to swallow. And then John Alstrom, if we hire Dan Quinn, I might not watch a Broncos game until he's fired. Why? What did Dan Quinn ever do to you? Dan Quinn is my ideal coach because you know who comes with Dan Quinn? You're probably going to get Russell Wilson. So, I mean, there's your quarterback. you got a, a great coach that is widely respected through everybody <laughs> in the CNFL. I mean, that's a that would be a good get for the Broncos. It really would, because if you get your franchise quarterback out of it and that's the coach that you have, I mean, they, they know each other. They had a working relationship back in Seattle back in 2012, I think is when 
when they were together. And then Dan Quinn got hired, I think, in 2013 um, or 2014. I can't remember exactly what the timing on it. But anyways, he's he's worked with Russell Wilson. That's a big draw for Russell Wilson. And sounds like he'd be willing to come to Denver. So uh, if we could get Dan Quinn, then I would be all aboard I, that train. I wouldn't hate it. Like, it's not my top option, but I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't be mad. At it. And it's not a thing of I would wouldn't watch him. He's not a bad defensive-minded coach. I mean, there were issues with his, how he coached in Atlanta, but he showed much better time management and a lot of issues that in Atlanta were injuries and not being able to get good personnel to do it because the – oh, what was his name? The general manager at that time. Was it Dimitrioff? Yes. Just did Thomas not really come out. Um, there, there were some rumors going around that Thomas Dimitrioff didn't even want Dan Quinn as the coach and the owner kind of overruled him. So that was some issues there. Um, our palace has asked if you saw Daniel Faale's run for the run the ball for a touchdown. I did, and it just made me want him even more. I've had him. I've had a draft crush on Daniel Faale for over a year now. Yep. Uh, yeah, I actually can attest to that because we were sitting here getting ready to go live on a show, and it was about this time, maybe not quite, maybe a little bit earlier than this. Uh, but anyways, uh, he was watching Daniel Falalele because Eric, like behind the scenes, we get the green room. Eric will have a share screen up, and we'll be watching film together and kind of talking some prospects and stuff like that. And it was Jordan Davis was we were watching, and I found a Kobe Dean right at that same exact time. Was uh, Eric was watching Jordan Davis? I was like, check out that linebacker, dude. He's going to be a baller and sure enough it's nicobe dean um and then uh the we, we were watching daniel Fa'alele, and he, he eric turned me on to that kid as well uh, i want to grab this really fast michael uh, or miguel santasiva nothing to say just showing some love drop some stars we appreciate you buddy um michael davis with a very interesting comment he says uh quote unquote playoff games for the broncos this season uh the raiders they lost twice the chiefs they lost the Bengals they lost the Steelers and ravens both of those lost why would Denver play any different if they make the postseason? Just focus on 2022. And there's a very astute point in that, like quite honestly, because you, you win at least one of those Raiders games. Uh, they had an opportunity to beat the Chiefs, but let's just call that a loss. Everyone kind of knew that was going to happen. The Bengals game is a huge one. We already discussed this even a couple of weeks ago, how the Broncos had to win that Bengals game if they wanted to be in the playoffs. The Steelers game, they had an opportunity to win that late. And the Ravens game, after Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, it was just uh, a debacle from the top to bottom. I have another word that I want to use for that, but that was definitely a winnable game based on the way that the Broncos' defense played. Uh, if they win most of the majority of those games, we're sitting nine, ten wins right now and, and like the fifth, speed, the fifth seed in the AFC firmly in the playoffs and ready to go. And if they're going to lose those games this year, you know, the, those are – quote unquote, like Michael says, playoff games, what's going to make him perform any different in, in the playoffs themselves, Eric? Well, first I'm going to say this is flippant. Nobody here thought Teddy was the guy. So don't keep lying that like, don't keep peddling that like that. I will block you in an instant for that. Nothing takes me off more than people saying I said something that didn't. I believe that Teddy was the better option than Drew Locke. And Hey, guess what? He's proved that, but you know what? I never thought that he was the guy. My always my opinion was always they should have gotten a better quarterback this year, which is why I wanted Justin Fields, who's looking like the most promising rookie quarterback at the moment, and why I want them to get a quarterback next year. Like, if people actually thought Teddy was the guy, they wouldn't have wanted they wouldn't want another quarterback. So, um, and then for talking about another DC as well, here's the thing: is most teams actually want a defensive coordinator as your head coach because they do a better job of delegating than offensive head coaches. And on top of that, their egos don't get in the way as often. Like 
offensive coordinators, you constantly see it. They have to be the smartest man in the room. That's not the case with. Yeah, uh, defense defensive coaches are actually, and I, I agree with Eric. Um, they're they're more focused on what yep. they're doing defensively. So if they can delegate the responsibilities down the right way, then that's then yes, I 100% agree with that. Uh, offensive coaches seem to have some struggles with game management. I mean, look at Andy Reid before he won that Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, like he was always criticized and hyper criticized about his his time management. He still had issues like that with the Chiefs even after the Super Bowl. Uh, it just so happens to be the number one quarterback in the NFL on his team that kind of covers up for a lot of warts, even with Andy Reid. I mean, uh, delegation of responsibilities of the head coach and, and managing the game as a whole. Um, defensive coaches seem to have a better track record of being able to do that. I mean, look at uh, you've got Bill Belichick, um, special teams coordinators as well. Um, Mike Tomlin, guys like uh, John Harbaugh, like the, the the young whiz wonderkins that you're getting with Deshaun McVay, Kyle Shanahan, like everyone wants to see that, but it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily feasible or practical in the same token, but also at the same time, it's, it does in, inject a spark a breath of fresh air into an organization. And that's something that this Broncos team desperately needs to have. Uh, Malcolm Brown jumping in here with the super chat, uh, ask a really good question here. Uh, Eric, which Broncos surprised you the most positively or negatively? Um, which one surprised me the most? That's um, a good one. Hmm. It's a great question, Malcolm. And thank you for joining us as well. I got I gotta say Noah Fant, like his inability as a blocker was really surprising. Last year he was showing progress, but like man, he just seems so bad this year. Um I'm not going to disagree with that one. That one's that one's a pretty good one. Um, Shelby Harris was a little disappointing to me as well. I thought that he was going to be kind of on a breakout deal. Um, I would say Draymond Jones, but here lately he's been playing so well that you can't say anything negative about the guy. The, the numbers aren't there um, as far as the, the pretty numbers, the sack numbers and stuff like that. But uh, as far as um, pass rush win rate, uh, run uh, run stuffing win rates, uh, like he's he's – destroying things one that surprised me probably the most in a positive way would be um i actually got two of them uh pat sertan honestly i i knew that he was going to be good I, I i he was my cornerback one for a reason but i didn't like him for the broncos uh they, that surprised me the way that he came in and played as as well as he did as a rookie really was surprising and the other one's another rookie and jonathan cooper i i mean it, it's been up and down there's been a mixed bag there for sure but as a seventh round pick a guy that had some heart issues that he had some surgeries for the way that he came in and really provided a, a quality rotational edge defender for this broncos defense man he's been he's been nice i i really do and have been highly highly impressed with jonathan cooper for sure and then a lot of patrick sertan second and i gotta say is his play didn't surprise me right like there's this, uh, there's a lot of people that like to say that I hated on him, that I hated him pre-draft. It was like I didn't like him for the Broncos scheme at the time because he wasn't a fit for the match quarters. What surprises me with his play is that Vic Fangio completely changed his scheme to help make him perform. Yeah, yeah changed it to a man coverage scheme, mm -hmm. and we're yep. seeing it pay off. Um, so I was shocked that a old time coach actually showed the willingness, and then Quinn Miners as well. I mean, yeah. making yeah. that huge jump like. Man, that was a uh, huge surprise. Here's another one, and let's just jump right into that conversation because we're still doing the year in review, guys, and we've got uh, we've got through the Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris contract stuff like that. Um, free agency was kind of boring for the Broncos for the most part. They re-signed their guys, brought in a, a handful of players like Ishmar Stefan. They brought in Mike Boone, um, Bobby Massey to kind of shore up the right tackle position, but he's been 
hit and miss big time for sure. Uh, obviously, Kyle Fuller mm-hmm. was brought in, and he's been kind of up and down, uh, obviously t- trading for Teddy Bridgewater right to the draft. But this draft class, guys, I mean, we just named off three, four guys there. Chase Wellner jumping in, saying Caden Stearns impressed him. Javante Williams has played very well. He's leading the Broncos in rushing right now. Uh, Baron Browning, after he got through his uh, his injury concerns and stuff like that, he's really kind of stepped up. It's looking like he might be the starting linebacker of the future for this Broncos defense. Um, obviously, Caden Stearns. Uh, Jamar Johnson hasn't seen much action, but when he does play on special teams, it's all right. Um, uh, Jonathan Cooper, again, I mean, this draft class has been one of the most impactful draft classes as far as playing valuable snaps on both both offensive and defensive units. Like it's crazy, man. I mean, Sertan, Williams, Browning, Miners, those are all four starters right now. And Miners looks like he's the right guard of the future. So it's George Payton knocked this one out of the park, man. What do you think? I mean, he definitely did. I mean, it's always great to see it. I wouldn't expect, you know, these types of hits on the draft class to continue, but it's a really good start. Um, Big E, uh, Teddy got us close to the playoffs before he got concussed. And, you know, won seven games during his time, which Locke only won as eight and 11 in his time as a starter. And Drew Locke's development, he showed last year that he can't. I, I don't know what's so hard with realizing that the only time Drew Locke looks good is that it's a one read play. The last five games last year that he showed this tremendous improvement, which he really didn't, he was reading the safety and that was deciding where he threw to. He wasn't reading the whole field. Like, Drew Locke has shown that he's not it. He can maybe develop to be a decent backup, but he's not a franchise guy. And we know that Drew Locke's development is an issue. And, yes, the coaches were so bad for it. But if the it, here's the illogical thing for it is Pat Shermer can't develop quarterbacks. Vic Fangio can't develop quarterbacks. But we should have started Drew Locke so he can continue to develop under them when they can't develop him. Like, that doesn't add up here. If Drew Locke wanted this job, if Drew Locke deserved this job, he would have locked a lot better because guess what? His stats in the preseason were worse than Teddy Bridgewater's. He was far less effective. He almost put the ball, turned the ball over more than Teddy Bridgewater did in the preseason. And he has still has a higher rate of turnovers than Teddy Bridgewater does this season. Like, come on now. Like, this, there's nothing wrong with saying they're both bad. Move yeah. on from both. Yep. Yep, absolutely. That's a um that's Drew a, played a harder schedule than Teddy. Yet Teddy beat more playoff teams that were pushing for the playoffs than Drew Locke did. Yeah. That's saying something. And Drew <laughs> the strength of schedule actually wasn't that much better last year. Eric's getting fired Come up. On. There's stats it. and data out there that show this. Unless you want to just completely ignore all of that and go off of something. I don't know what to tell you, man. They're both bad. Yeah, they're, like, that was they're, what we were saying during the offseason. They're both bad. So they should have gotten done more to go get a better quarterback. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen again this year. Uh, they, the Broncos obviously passed on Justin Fields, a guy that I liked as quarterback one last season. And all I got I got called a lot of names for that. And it's actually kind of backfiring on me. But uh, obviously, Sertan, they had the opportunity to go get a guy. They had an opportunity in the offseason to potentially trade for Aaron Rodgers, but the uh, the Packers weren't budging. They're going to have an opportunity to do that again this, this offseason. Um, I mean, 
who knows what's going to happen with Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Like there's going to be some interesting quarterback carousel stuff going on this season as well. Um, our pal jumping in here and is asking, what is your input on the Western Kentucky quarterback? Uh, Zap, Zappy? Man, or, Zappy. He's, yeah, better Zappy. Zappy. He's better than Drew Locke. No, I, I, guys, like I was, I know I'm a little fired up about it. My point is, is I'm just so tired of the Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater discourse. It's time for everybody to realize they're bad. Like, yeah. Stop trying yeah. to sit here and say Drew Locke can still be something. He's shown he's not. Nobody's saying that Teddy Bridgewater could be the guy. Yeah. He's it's, not. It's not one like, or the it's other. It's they're, they're both terrible. Like, uh, they're both bad. Anyways, Billy Zappe. I like him. I like what this kid can do. I don't think he's a franchise guy, but I think he's a guy that you can work with to develop to be a solid backup quarterback in the NFL. I think he would be an upgrade to the bottom of the depth chart here, upgrade over Brett Rippon and whoever ends up being quarterback too, because I doubt either of these quarter those two quarterbacks are, will be back with the Broncos next year. So <laughs> I think that makes a good move. I think I have him as a fourth or fifth round grade. A, I think he's going to be at the senior bowl. He has a chance to help him there. I like mm -hmm. what he can bring. It, he's got a, he's got a good arm talent too. I mean, he, he moves around pretty well. He's got good uh, good arm talent, good touch. He actually throws with touch at the college level, which is something you don't see very often, especially from younger quarterbacks. Um, he he just set the uh, um, the record. I think it's, was it passing yards in a season or. But I can't remember exactly what is the NCAA record for that. It might be career passing yards as well. Uh, regardless, I mean, the, the guy throws the ball around a lot and that. It's an air raid system for sure. I mean, that's all they pretty much do there in Western Kentucky. I uh, had a pretty good bowl game from from what I had seen. So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I would like, but it's not going to be, as Eric said, he's probably not a franchise quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a he's a pretty decent player, an, an interesting developmental player for sure. Um, Biggie, the thing is, is the data and all that shows that Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> is better than Drew Locke. Doesn't mean that they're not. He's good. He's just it's he's the more polished turd. There, that's the way to put it. Yep, it's it, a lot of lipstick on a pig, man. Um, yeah. Going out this is, this is with bang on the Valley Deep Divers. Right, Let's go. No. Out. We just need someone to drop an F bomb and maybe we could actually have some real fun going out the door here. <laughs> uh, there's a reason, guys. This is this is a whole reason why we have tried to avoid and stay out of the Teddy Bridgewater with a Drew Lock conversation. It's it's been all year long. It, I I said it last year after the Chiefs game in December that Drew Locke wasn't the guy, and I didn't think that he was ever going to be able to get there. Like, it was time to pull the plug on the experiment. He's gone for another year. He still can't figure it out. Pull the damn plug. Guys, move forward. Let's go. It's done and over with, okay, this season. We have two games left, the Chargers game, and then we have the Chiefs game um, in Denver. Like, there's the, the season is winding down. There's probably not going to be very much more. Drew Locke's going to start this week, so we're going to have that. We're going to be able to see some more of Drew Locke not being able to take that step. I feel bad for Locke. Though, I do. I do. I do, too. Yeah, like, it's, it's going to be rough. Yeah, it's it's going to be rough. I mean, obviously, with Teddy Bridgewater and the concussion protocol, I've got all the players on the the reserve lifts with the the icky sick little bug that ever, that uh, um, Carl's daughter likes to call it. Since we can't actually say that word on the air anymore, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be a little bit rough. I got to kind of take a grain of salt with that one. Um, no excuses though. Go out there and play your best football and, and actually look like a competent quarterback, and maybe we can change this conversation. But there's it's just so much in the bad, the wrong direction that it's it's uh, yeah. <laughs> this is James. this is the meme for the year. Oh no, we suck again. From I believe water, the water boy. Is yeah, it's the water boy. Yeah, it's the water yeah, boy. That's been my meme for the year. Oh no, we suck again. Oh no, we suck again. And then Malcolm Brown. Is it worse to lose yawning with TB5 or screaming with Locke? 
you're losing either way. Exactly. At least that, at least with Teddy, I mean, we won seven games. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, about 15 minutes left, guys. Get some questions in here. We don't want to continue breaking down the true lock situation. Um, we can go into the Chargers, uh, Chargers conversation here as well, just a little bit. Um, let's see here. I'm going to search this really fast. And as I continue to kind of waste a little bit of time here, uh, Peter Jemson, would you draft a first or second round guard? Uh, or do you have a free agent that you want? The Broncos need serious help there. I I disagree. I do. I mean, oh no, they got to replace Dalton Reisner. Uh, Reisner has been rough, but he's still at least serviceable. He's not like the no, the, no, no. What? Yo, what Dalton Reisner has not been serviceable whatsoever. He's been bad. It's, is he the worst guard in the NFL right now? I don't know about that. that that's just, what qualifies him as bad. I never said that. I'm saying he's at least serviceable. He's he's he's. It's not he's like not he's literally the. It's not like the, he's not literally the reason why this Broncos offensive line is not very good. I mean, the, 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 good the, the, there's a big part of it for sure. I'm not saying that he that he is like a, a long long term cornerstone to the franchise, but I'm not running out there to if if I'm taking a first round guard. To, to he, replace first, Dalton right? he did. He said, would you draft a first or second oh, round first guard? First or second round guard. Well, no, because you don't draft the first round guard, period. Second round guard, if I can upgrade Dalton Reisner with the better scheme fit, yeah, yeah, I am doing it because Dalton Reisner has been that bad. He well, has been such a problem for Garrett Bowles and Lloyd Cushenberry, and Lloyd Cushenberry has been bad too. Like, yeah. all two of the interior offensive linemen have been really bad this year, and you got to fix that. Otherwise, you're not going to be – consistent running the ball and that's been the issue with the broncos and um congratulations clayton for 30 days i mean that's awesome keep it yeah, up. that's huge dude that's huge that's absolutely huge um <laughs> anyways sorry i'm losing my mind here uh <laughs> it's been a fireworks show dude and i've had like maybe show. like 16 hours of sleep over the last week I'm feeling it. I'm pumped, uh, dude. I've, I've, uh, yeah, I, I had a late night last night. We drank too many beers at my dad's house. I was up until about two o'clock this morning. So, uh, I'm still kind of feeling it. I got home. Like I drove back from my parents' house and got home five minutes before I jumped in the room so that we could start the show. I have not I've done any preparation today. <laughs> this is going to be really fun for the rest of the show. Uh, all right. Derek Blair came in with the comment of the night. Oh, pull it. At least we will not see Judy go in motion on a fake jet this week. <laughs> That's so true, dude. I how do you run Jerry Judy on so on, on jet jet zip and orbit or motion like that and not give him the ball? Like he hasn't got that he hasn't got the ball coming out of that orbit motion since the Cowboys game. Like quite literally, he has not seen the ball coming off of jet or orbit motion since the Cowboys game when they first implemented that into the game plan. And then they turn around this last week against the freaking Raiders and they hand off a jet sweep to freaking goddamn. Javante Williams. Hi, Scott. Oh, there's your cuss word. There's your cuss word. Well, it's not quite. It's not quite the cuss word that I really wanted to put out there. I mean, but still, um, uh, Scott. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, Miss happy you. New Year, Miss Scott. You. We'll, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Hope you're having a great time and a great holiday. Yeah. Um, Joshua, congratulations on five weeks, man. Keep it up. Like, doing a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Where else can I get Eric all fired up? Yo, there's a lot of ways to get me fired up, man. <laughs> Uh, to, uh, ask him, ask him, uh, if he thinks that uh, Melvin Gordon deserves no, a dude, I will point you out. <laughs> 15 reasons why Eric wants to re sign Melvin Gordon to a $5.2 million contract starting right now. Go, <laughs> all right. This is now self promotion hour, guys. I also have a three veterans 
that should be cut this offseason. Um, that's up on milehighhuddle.com as well as my top tens for each position. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, Judy is out. Yes. All right. Uh, let's get into that just a little bit here. Um, the Broncos have a litany. They're having a COVID outbreak right now. Um, the locker rooms in shambles. Uh, 14 to 18 players are projected, including uh, that are projected to be on the co- uh, on the reserve list for this game, um, including Jerry Judy. Obviously, uh, let's see. I've got a list here. Let me read this off for you guys. Um, Starts off Andre Mintz, the linebacker, uh, Mike Purcell, obviously, Calvin Anderson, backup offensive tackle, Caden Stearns, rookie safety, uh, Tim Patrick, Tyree Cleveland, um, Jerry Judy as well, and potentially even Cortland Sutton. So the Broncos could be without their top four wide receivers uh, for this game. They've got Stephen Weatherly as well, Mike Ford, uh, Bobby Massey's out. So they're going to be just really searching for uh, a player to play the, the right tackle position. Uh, is that going to be Quinn Bailey? Is he going to get the start this week, Eric? Um, Cameron Fleming? Oh, that's right, Cameron Fleming. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's see. Mike Ford, the cornerback. Bobby Massey, uh, Bryce Callahan, Bradley Chubb, Jonathan Cooper is going to be on on the list as well. Baron Browning, McTelvin Ajim, and um, defensive line coach Bill Kolar is out, is out as well. I don't remember who the the, the team had announced was going to take over for his duties, but uh, yeah, it's it's looking pretty rough. And obviously, you got Teddy Bridgewater again in concussion protocol. Drew Locke's going to start. You're down to Kendall Hinton. Uh, Rico Gafford, potentially Seth Williams, uh, Deontay Spencer as your top four wide receivers, or Travis Fulgham, who's on the practice squad. Uh, did he get called up? I know you had a list yes. of players. That, okay, so he did get called up. Um, Peter Talmepanu, uh, I think is how you say his name, uh, was called up as well. Uh, do you have the other couple of names that you had there, Eric? Is that handy for you or not? Um, I don't think it's handy for me anymore. Uh, Nick was being mean to me, telling me that he hopes I have a very dangerous new year. Oh, really? Hmm, that's yeah. going to be fun. Trevor Fulgham, Self Williams, and Pitatomopeno. Okay. So, uh, and yes, Kathy Lund, uh, it is Uncle Rico Gafford, a uh, former cornerback <laughs> turned wide receiver from the University of Wyoming that ran a 429 at his pro day. Yes, the guy can fly. He's a fast, fast, very fast player. Uh, anyway, so. Broncos are kind of in a, in a rough go of things. They also on their um, injury report list, Kenny Young, inside linebacker on there as well. Uh, there's like 10 or 12 players listed as questionable. Teddy Bridgewater's the only one out other than the players on the reserve list. But uh, this this Chargers team, uh, the offense has been kind of clicking for the most part, except for the game that they had against the, the Broncos a few weeks ago. Uh, Justin Herbert is playing MVP level football. He is a phenomenal young quarterback. I don't know what their COVID list looks like by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not exactly sure what players they have out. Again, guys, I got, got here five minutes before the show, so I haven't really done any um, any true preparation for this game yet. But uh, Eric, as far as your key takeaway, what's the biggest thing that the Broncos need to do to be able to walk away with a win? hold their dog traps and not, you know, do what they can. Like there's, the, the, there's not much for it. I mean, there's so they're missing so many pieces out so many receivers. Maybe hopefully they have something he can still test to be able to play. Um, I guess good news for Vipanjo is no matter what, he'll walks away with a winning record against the chargers. He'll either be five and one or four and two. Yeah, but that's true. What is that? I guess. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just, Again, with how all that there's going on with all the players that they're missing out on is it, it's it's going to be tough for Drew Locke. I mean, outside, even taking out the Pat Shermer effect 
it's going to be tough for Julak without having some of the weapons that they, they that they need to have really. Um, without without Tim Patrick, without Jerry Judy, possibly without Cortland Sutton, without Bobby Massey, with Cameron Fleming going against um, Bosa, like yep. that's going to be really rough to watch. Is it's hard to see in it's hard to see this offense. Um, James Campbell, good friend of the show and MHH contributor, put in our private chat about over under on what nine first downs. And it was eight. Yeah, he had eight. eight. And it's it's hard to see that happen. This Chargers defense is starting to click at the right time. They've had had their issues over the week, so maybe they can exploit that. Maybe Vic Fangio's defense can do something. The secondary can rattle them because they're missing a lot up front that's going to impact this, and it's, I don't know, yeah. it's going to be rough. The one thing I will say, and I, I might be thinking a little bit too far into this, and I'm, I guess I'm not 100% sure on how everything looks, but uh, the one thing that will be nice is at least Drew Locke has thrown to these guys quite frequently in practice with the practice reps that he does get because he leads the scout team offense. So that's going to help at least a little bit. He'll have some timing stuff down with Kendall Hinton, with guys like Deontay Spencer, those like those kinds of players. He'll at least have some some kind of a, of a rapport with them. So maybe that'll help out a little bit, but man, it, it does look really Really rough and really bleak for this Broncos team going against the uh, Chargers this week. Uh, Money more jumping in here with a uh, with a generous super chat. We appreciate you. Uh, o line ought to be the focal point of the offseason. Uh, if we can't build it for Rodgers or Wilson, at least build it for Pookie. And yeah, I'm and I'm actually of the opinion that the Broncos do need to retain Melvin Gordon. Not at five point two. If it if it, that's what it took, then I'd be okay with it. I'm looking more like two and a half, three, three and a half, maybe to keep him around, but yes, uh, you, you build up that offensive line, continue to work through the, the ground game. Um, you build it for the, the running game itself. And then if you can't get Rogers Wilson, you go for a, a rookie quarterback, having a good offensive line and a good running game is a young quarterback's best friend. So uh, to me, that would be, it, it is, it definitely does need to be addressed. The right tackle position has still been not really a turnstile. Massey hasn't been great this year, but he's also hasn't, well, I guess, yeah, he has been really that bad, but uh, he's been bad. Yeah, he's been bad too. But yeah, I mean, and and Riser, like I said, he's at least a serviceable player. And yes, if you get the right, if you if you keep this the scheme continuity and you and you continue on with more of this, uh, um, the the if they, actually they need to get uh, zone stuff more more stretch zone stuff to use that athleticism. But still, uh, you can still play with Dalton Reisner at least the right tackle position because Bobby Massey is a free agent after the season is definitely something that the Broncos need to address for sure. Yeah, I mean, offensive line big issue with both those quarterbacks with their current teams was the offensive line. So if you go get them, you definitely have to go out there and you have to fix your offensive line. You need to find stability at right tackle because Bobby Massey, he's only a one-year rental and you don't really want to um, go forward because he's been the worst tackle. Jody, yes, he's been worse than Garrett Bowles and there's plenty of sets to prove it. He's got a terrible run block win rate, terrible pass block win rate, both of them worse than, than Garrett Bowles. Um, Bowles' penalties are an issue, but uh, yeah, I'll take those. I'll take those calls over, you know, the consistent bad play that we're getting from Bobby Massey. Um, you got to figure out what you're doing at right guard or left guard, depending on what where you're playing Quinn Miners. Lloyd Cushenberry can be upgraded. He's he, he's one where he's at a point where, all right, maybe you're okay sticking with him because, you know, he's still just in his second year. He hasn't shown this growth that you want to see, though. So you kind of want an upgrade with it. Dalton Reisner, this has been two years of him declining with his play. You want to upgrade. You want to upgrade there. You, Graham Glasgow's likely on his way out. Quinn Miners will step in. Natani Moody's not quite ready yet. So you got it. You're you're got to fix at least two of these, two of the um, four spots that have holes in them. 
maybe even three. Yeah. Uh, Todd, you had a question about Massey earlier. I missed that, and I apologize. Uh, put that back in and see if we can't get that taken care of and wrapped up for you. Um, let's see here. Uh, Asma, uh, Asma Spray jumping in here on Twitch saying that uh, Kendall Hinton is going to be playing quarterback and wide receiver on Sunday. We good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm here for that. Adam, throw it up as high as he can and run underneath it and catch it himself would be great. I'm, I'm here for that work. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Georgia's killing Michigan apparently right now, according to D- Dylan Von Ars. What's up, oh, Dylan? The, the defense is just destroying them. Um, Jordan Davis had an excellent play on an outside zone play that, oh man, it was beautiful. Didn't know a guy that big could move that quick. Yeah, he's um, a, I was saying, I was just asking whether or not Massey could be long term plans for the team. No, he shouldn't probably be. not. No, um, yeah, uh, could you move Bulls to guard and Reisner to center from Josie? Why would you do that? Like honestly, uh, Garrett Bowles and Jody, I, I know you and uh, you and Eric and I have gone back and forth on Garrett Bowles for a long time. I mean, it got kind of violent there for a minute. But uh, why would you take Garrett Bowles away from his natural position where he's playing at, at least a top seven level? Still, I mean, Garrett Bowles is playing pretty good football. Well, I wouldn't say part. top seven. He's still playing in you know a, a top sixteen, and you know how hard it is to find tackles in the NFL. Yeah, like. It wouldn't surprise me if looking at all the data and everything for tackles that he's probably still top 10, actually, because tackle playing down in the across the NFL is down as it is with the whole with mm-hmm. offense in general. Mm-hmm. And Garrett Bowles, I mean, he's had a couple bad games, but his season's been average for the most part outside of that. Um, <clears throat> at least it's better. <laughs> Uh, who was it? I think it was uh, the uh, – let me see if I can find it. There's a question coming in on Twitch. It was Kev, uh, Savage Boy Kev, saying, uh, who's been the best player on the O-line this year to you guys? Uh, quite Quinn honestly, Miners. Garrett Bowles or Quinn Miners, I would say either one of those two. And I knew you were going to say Miners, but that was that was your dude too. So, all righty. Uh, I don't see anything else here. Um, Eric, let's do this really fast since we are the uh, at the end of the year. We're doing the year in review show. Um, what was your Broncos highlight of the season? Like the best moment and we'll do the worst moment as well for the Broncos. Uh, not only in the, in the, just all, all year, all, all encompassing all year from hiring George Payton to where we are today. Uh, what was the highest moment for the Broncos this season for you and the lowest? <laughs> the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, the highest for me has been. Man, I was so hyped when they drafted Baron Browning, and then get being able to see him play and play like at that level that I thought he could. Um, that'll probably be up there. That Dallas Cowboys game's definitely got to be up there. But mm-hmm. I think the highlight for me, and I mean, should be obvious here. I it's the Jets game. Yep. Being able to be there in person for that, I don't care if it was the Jets or not. My first game ever in person. Being able to meet some awesome people. And Lance, of course, um, not so awesome. But uh, getting to meet everybody who showed up for the meet and greet and just that whole that whole weekend was just awesome and uh, definitely the highlight of the year with the Broncos and just awesome. And the low point was probably just the constant talk about two turds and which one's better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. The low light of the season is obviously where the Broncos sit right now because I thought that they had an opportunity to be a winning football team, and I thought that they had the opportunity to go to the playoffs. And up until about last week, they really did have that opportunity. So they were. It's kind of a, you know, 
hit and miss on that one, I guess, because they, they performed about as well as I thought they could, but they've also underperformed in several diff- different ways. I mean, they're, they're top 10 in terms of time of possession and um, offensive efficiency, completion percentage. They're the number one scoring defense in the NFL, yet they're seven and eight. And it's just been, it, it's been rough, but I'm a hundred percent with you on the highlight of the season. Uh, Shane, we got to meet Shane as well. He jumped in here, said great meeting you guys at the, at the Jets game. And it was great to meet you, Shane, as well. Um, that, that was without question. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. The, that was one of the highlights of my year, even outside of it being a Broncos game and going, but to be like, to be able to meet some of the people, they put names to faces to be able to see everyone in the community in and of itself, you know, um, to, to meet one of my best friends. I mean, Eric's going to be in my wedding next year. So it's a, um, it's, it was an honor to be able to do something like that. It was great to be everybody there and to have a great weekend. Like quite honestly, that weekend started for me on Saturday morning and I had a great trip down to Denver. Um, picked up Eric at the, at the airport. We sat up, sat up, drank too many beers and uh, had a great long conversation. And uh, it was, it was an awesome weekend. It was to, to like I said, it's, to be around good people like that is always a blessing for me. And I'm never going to take, take that for granted. And I cannot wait to do it again with everybody. That was just amazing. I drank more that Sunday than I had since my 21st birthday until now, minus that day. I'm not a big drinker. And like from the, the moment I got there, basically we got back to the hotel until basically going to sleep before I had to get up to go to the airport to leave. Like, yeah, it was we, bad. It was, but, it was um, fun. Anyway, since we were talking about offensive tackles a little bit here, um, let me do something real quick and just to let me let me run through this chat really fast one more time. I'll let you finish that up and um, I'll get started on some uh, matters of business. We'll let you finish the, up the show with the with the last words on that one here in just a minute, guys. Um, let's see here. Uh, asthma jumping in here again, saying if Tennessee wins this week, uh, Kansas City will play their starters uh, next week against Denver. If Tennessee loses, we will face the Kansas City backups. But I think that might be right because Kansas City would then lock up the number one seed. Um, if Tennessee loses this week, I think that's right. I don't know a hundred percent. I have to look at the scenarios, uh, but yes, that's an astute point there. Um, and if the Broncos do play against Kansas city with all their starters in, and if the Broncos can get everybody back healthy, I still think that they could have an opportunity to beat the chiefs quite honestly, because they played the chiefs. They've been playing so well defensively this season. They can pretty much hang with anybody. They just got to get the offensive going um, and get that taken care of. But uh, let's see here. I think that's going to do it for us. So thank you all for joining us on the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you are at it, make sure you're following at DVDD underscore pod. That's the podcast account where you're going to find out what we talk about every single Friday. Um, takes on there every now and again. Not very often, but we will do that every now and again. Uh, also, guys, at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. Um including opinion articles, film breakdowns, a lot of great stuff from Eric Trickle as far as draft content is coming around the corner. I'm going to get started on a lot of my pre-draft uh, evaluations and stuff like that uh, here in the next couple of weeks, probably right after the end of the regular season and uh, closer towards the senior bowl. I'll get some stuff going on that as well. But yes, the best draft content comes from the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can find it all at Mile High Huddle. Also, guys, Facebook supporters, go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Click that blue become a supporter button where you're going to get premium content like the Trickle Zone, which will be returning after the first of the year. Eric, do you have a set date on that yet? No, nothing yet. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, you're also going to get Kellerman's Corner and also Broncos uh, Broncos Book Club with Chad Jensen there. Uh, guys, if you're in a financial space able to do so, it's after Christmas. You can't get any Christmas gifts for all of your uh, wonderful Mile High Huddle supporters. Uh, guys, anyways, guys, huddleuppod.com. That's the merch, uh, the merch booth where you're going to be able to get yourself one of those hats that Eric has on his head over there. Uh, there's also a, a couple of different T-shirts. There's something for every show, a hoodie, a, a hat, face mask, coffee cup, anything that suits your fancy. Um, you'll be able to get the, get it there at huddleuppod.com. And folks, as always, if you're not able to do so, you're financially not able to do so, uh, maybe that's just not your bag, baby. You know, like Austin Power says, even though it is your bag, baby, or at least it should be. Uh, subscribe. Everybody should be subscribing, specifically on YouTube. Um, subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It, it helps us a lot. If you see any video, make sure you like it. Like every single video you guys see. And if you love it, share it. Get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because that is the most organic way to help grow and bring in new eyes to our like-minded audience. And it's also because without you guys, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, I know you got something else, but in English, I got to say it as always, as especially on the last day of this year. Any last words? Yeah, so fun fact. Garrett Bowles is actually 16th in pass blocking efficiency out of 60. Bobby Massey is 50th. <laughs> anyways um i hope you guys have a wonderful holidays continue or at least continuing having a wonderful holidays hope you guys have a wonderful new year's make sure you guys drink safe drink responsible if you guys are don't drink and drive and uh have a wonderful time and have a great time ringing in the new year i know quite a few of you are going to be hitting that new year more than sooner than i am i still have eight hours seven hours I can't count seven hours to go for me, but uh, I hope the rest of you guys have a wonderful time and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, absolutely. As, as Eric said, and from, from my family to your guys' family, um, from Mile High Huddle to the entire community here as well, um, you guys have a, a safe and happy new year. Make sure you guys, as Eric said, don't drink and drive, get in an Uber, call a friend, do whatever you got to do. Make sure you, you get yourself uh, home cool. safely every single day. Uh, Peter Middleton's 9 a.m. here. He's already rang in the new year. By I'm the way. not all as special as you, Peter. <laughs> this is true uh and thanks again for joining us dude it's it's so crazy that we have a guy from cambodia that joins us every single week but anyways guys have a safe and happy new year i hope you guys oh, all had a merry christmas and uh, happy holidays whatever you guys uh whatever you guys believe in happy holidays to every single one of you guys and uh we we appreciate you all for joining us eric what's up and i hope any of you who are living that boulder counter the boulder county area yes you guys are yes safe. i hope mm-hmm. you guys homes aren't and if were destroyed and if they were my heart and condolences go out to you guys like yeah just totally sorry yeah. um everybody is uh okay and all that and yeah hope you guys uh, are better in 2022 yeah absolutely with and with that guys we say thank you again for joining us on the dove valley deep divers podcast you all stay safe and take care have a great rest of your weekend again happy new year we will see you guys same time same place next week friday at 6 p.m mountain time we'll talk to you guys later thanks You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.